Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the premier radio networks, including 130 of the best stations in the U.S. and Canada, and XM Channel 158, on Saturday, March 26th, 2011. This is episode 755. Enjoy. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. Time to talk about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, all the doodads and doohickeys that are changing this world of ours. How are you today? Hope you're having a great day. My phone number, if you'd like to join the fun, 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-827-5536. Toll free from anywhere in the U.S. If you're outside the U.S., no problem. Just uh, call Skype. Use Skype out, use that same number, plus one, 8888 and it'll be toll-free for you. Reach the tech guy. Ask a question, make a comment, make a suggestion. We talk a lot on the Tech Guy show about the Google. Actually, everybody talks a lot about the Google these days. It's, you know, it's uh, probably the mm, most successful, second most successful, I don't know, company uh, in technology. One of the most successful companies in the world. And certainly, the reason we talk about it an awful lot these days is it has a lot of power. Frankly, if you are on the Internet, but you don't show up in a Google search, you're really not on the Internet, right? Google search is kind of the definitive directory of the Internet. Without it, there's, you know, you don't exist. You might have a web page, you might, you know, and all that stuff, but without a a Google entry, do you exist? And we talk a lot about the power of Google, but modifying its... uh, Search algorithms a couple of weeks ago, they changed it so that's to protect us from uh, something that's kind of controversial called demand media. These are websites where uh, they create articles based on your interest. The article doesn't have to have a lot of meat to it. In fact, often, you know, they pay the authors five bucks and often the articles are recycled from other sources or poorly written or not definitive, but doesn't matter because there's an ad sitting right next to it, and they make sure those articles are about subjects that are highly searched. So, for instance, um, let's say you're into Harley belt buckles. I mean, who isn't? And the and the folks at these demand media places see that you're into Harley belt buckles or that a lot of people search for Harley belt buckles. You can get that information. Google will tell you, what do people search for? So they say, mm, we better get an article. Up about Harley belt buckles. They make an article. It doesn't have, matter. You know, pay, literally pay somebody five bucks to make an article. It doesn't matter if it's good or anything. Just as long as it has the words Harley belt buckle <laughs> on the page. And, uh, you know, a little bit about Harley belt buckles in an ad. And they're going to get a lot of hits because people will search. And you've seen this, right? When you go to the Google and you search and you get something. And, you, you know, ha- some of these results are maybe not such definitive, interesting results. But these sites are very effective at kind of gaming Google's algorithms to show up on the search. This is big business. It's called demand media. There are a number of companies that do this. And they, they say, no, we're good quality material. Well, Google a couple of weeks ago changed their search algorithm to knock these guys off 
or to knock them down, saying, hey, you know, it isn't good material. This is, this is actually one of the big arguments with Google, is, is how do you determine whether an article is authoritative? Who's to say? Who's the judge? Google would like to say, all oh, the computer's the judge, our algorithms are the judge, but they tweak those all the time, don't they? And they admit, Matt Cuts, there's their guy in charge of spam, a friend of mine, I like Matt a lot, admitted, yeah, well, sometimes we hand-tweak the results if we're not getting the results we want. Great article in TechCrunch this morning by Amanda Hesser. This is an area I wouldn't have thought Google would have any impact, and yet does. Amanda, you may know her name. She's a, a cooking writer for the New York Times. She also wrote the great New York Times cookbook, which I think is fantastic, and uh, is a one of the founders of a cooking community called Food 52. She says Google has modified its recipe search in such a way that it's bad for food, bad for cooks, bad for us. Wait a minute, what? So this is what I didn't know. She says every month about a billion of Google's searches, one billion of Google's searches every month are for recipes. Google, it's clear, she says, is the number one influence on what Americans cook. Of course, with a billion searches for recipes, have you done that? I've done that. I want to make beef stew. What do I do? I Google beef stew and then I look at the recipes. Well, recently, Google, uh, about three weeks ago, changed its recipe search algorithm. You can now narrow down the search by ingredient, I like that, by cooking time, and by calories. And she says, this is an example of how Google, even with the slightest little tweak, and a tweak that is on the face of it a great idea, can really change everything. Because, she says, this is going to favor sites that can put information in about calories, cooking time, and ingredients. And, and it's going to disfavor blogs and other sites which have great recipes. And I've, there are some great cooking blogs. But don't know the number of calories in the recipe. They don't have that information in the, quote, metadata. So they can't make that change. So that means some of the best recipes are going to disappear. They won't show up in the top search results at Google. And she also points out that a lot of the sites that do have information like this, it's just plain wrong. And Google doesn't give us enough choices. She gives us an example, a, a, a great French classic dish called cassoulet. It's a hunter's stew. It's delicious. The Google choices for cooking time are, on this and everything, less than 15 minutes, less than 30 minutes, or less than 60 minutes. She says, you can't make a cassoulet in less than four hours. You can't. So where does the search for cassoulet get you? She said, well, I found a recipe that says it claims it takes a minute to make cassoulet with canned mushrooms, kidney beans, and beef. It's not exactly a cassoulet. She's found another recipe that said that the cassoulet that they made was 100 calories per person, even though each serving contains a full lamb shank and a sausage link, an entire sausage link. That's not 100 calories. So people lie, people game, people mess with Google. And as a result, she says it's going to change the way Americans cook and eat. Who'd have thunk it? Now, I admit this is just a narrow little area, but that's the point, is that Google has so much influence. 
a billion searches for recipes every month on Google. And now, because they've changed how it works, you're much more likely to find recipes from companies that are willing to lie, that are willing to misrepresent. You're not going to find the best recipes. You're just going to find the ones from the companies that are good about gaming Google. <gasps> oh, no. I, I don't envy Google. I don't envy their situation because, of course, they have to do stuff like this. It makes Google much more useful. But at the same time, it's hard for them to predict the unintended side consequences of anything that they do. And even the smallest tweak like this, even the smallest tweak uh, can have huge impact. On society. I guess the point is Google has a huge amount of power because they are really 70 or 80% of all searches go through Google. They are in effect the arbiter of what exists and does not exist on the internet. And uh, while I think they take that responsibility seriously, there's nobody in the world that can live up to that. What am I calling for? Am I saying, well, we should have, we should, what should we do? There's nothing you can do. Take apart Google? I don't think so. I mean, that might be what, what ends up happening. Suggest that everybody start using Bing? Uh, you know, I, I can't, <laughs> if Google's better than Bing, you're not going to do that. What do we do? I guess just be aware of the, of the immense power wielded by Google because so many of us use it and because, well, it's so good. And I know the folks at Google think very hard about this stuff, and perhaps they'll read uh, this article on TechCrunch. I'll put a link in the show notes from Amanda Hesser and maybe rethink their search algorithms for recipes. And maybe you and I should start searching somewhere else to find the best food. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number, 888-827-5536. I am Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-827-5536. That's my phone number if you have a question, a comment, a suggestion. Our first call of the day from Las Flores, California, Steve on the line. Hi, Steve. Uh, you'll have to pick him up for me, Luis. Thanks. Hi, Steve. Hi, Leo. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I have a question that kind of fits in with what you're talking about. I have a website that uh, really doesn't fit into any existing category. And so um, it, it would be great if I was selling the belt buckles like you were talking about. Yeah, just well, that's all you need. Harley Davidson belt buckles. Yeah. It's the secret. Yeah, well... Um, I was uh, I was starting to use the um, the link sites the the link exchange sites. Do not. Uh, well, do that's that. what I started to read. It said it I I could actually drop my page rankings because of that, and so um, uh, that's really my main question was to find out if that was legitimate or not. It is not. So here's the deal: Google is very sensitive to being gamed. You know what I mean when I'm saying yeah. gamed. Yeah. Google says. And they're very clear, and you should read their guidelines for webmasters. They say 
that the way to be successful and uh, to show up well, successful in Google's terms, is show up high on uh, the search results, right. is to have great content, period. Now, we know there's other things you can do, but they are very clear that if you do something that doesn't have to do with improving your content, in other words, if you try to get around the Google algorithms, try to game the algorithms, try to beat them in a mechanical way, they will punish you. Yeah. And a punishment can be everything from lower rankings to no ranking. They've actually um, dumped people. And if you don't show up on Google, you don't show up. So, and those link exchanges, that's exactly how not to do it. Okay, then I'm, I won't do that anymore. The site is so kind of unusual, and I'm trying well, what, to... Tell me about it. Is, well, is, what, what? it, it sounds, it, it almost kind of sounds bad. In fact, the name of it is called emaileavesdropper.com. I like con- it. <laughs> yeah, see, the concept, <laughs> it's, it's a very unique, unusual concept. It's uh, people can sign up to be blind copied on uh, emails between fictional characters in a story. That oh, I love it. And what so, a great idea. Yeah, it's kind of, and so I don't know what category to put this in, but I've got, you know, like uh, not very many people on it. It's been up for about six months now. But it, every all the response I get from people is really good. You know, they're saying, you know, the, you, you get this kind of surreal sense that you're eavesdropping on private conversations. No one sees your emails. It's all very safe and everything. And so this story kind of unfolds during your day. You receive these emails and and, um, you kind of learn the details of the story from the perspective of those that are writing them. So it's kind of, it's fun and different, but I can't get known. I mean, it's very difficult. Yeah. So Google is probably, I mean, if you can't think of a, a term that somebody's likely to search for you, on on google then forget google yeah i mean who's going to search for i did just search for email eavesdropper and found you but you have to i mean who's going to search for email eavesdropper i know i know i mean what what, and who even knows how to spell eavesdropping (laughs) so that's that's kind of it's 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 easy if you're a, a a simple product or a simple concept but you're right. This discourages. This is another issue, doesn't it? Discourages something that's so new and innovative that nobody would know how to search for it. You, you, yeah. Google search is not your solution. Your solution, though, is 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 to get yourself known. Well, by going out there and 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 finding people who might be interested in this, whether it's on message boards, mm-hmm. uh, other websites, and. Uh, you know, you participate in the internet world, and you let people know that you're out there and you're doing it, and people will find it. Coming on the radio is great. I see you've got some press. That's good. Um, and just you know, you—that's how you're going to get known because nobody's going to search for. How, who's going to come up with the idea? Oh, you know what? I really would like. I would like a website that is eavesdropping on fictional characters. Nobody's going to think of that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but that's, that's a that's a flaw one. in the in the notion of uh, web search. You can't yeah. search for something you don't know about. Okay, so it's kind of a network marketing more than... It has to be. Yeah. It can't be search. Now, when when you're doing the network marketing, you're going to keep in mind that people are not going to remember your URL, in, you know, your website address in all likelihood. They're going to say, oh, you know, even people listening to the show right now, they're going to say, oh, you know, Leo had somebody on. It was about fictional characters and you'd get an email from them. You have to you have to in your mind think about how people will then search for you having learned about you. So changing the name of it maybe? No, the name the name of the site is one thing. Uh, another thing that's very important though and I see that you're not really taking advantage of it. Well, actually you are. I like it, you 
there a couple of things Google pays particular attention to. One is the title of your page, not your URL. And you've got a title that's uh, ease, stories told through eavesdropping. I can't see the rest of it. But it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a good title in the sense that it shows people through eavesdropping on email. It does, in fact, have kind of the keywords that people might search for. Eavesdropping, email, stories. So the title of your page is, is uh, I would still put in here, I would put email, eavesdropper, uh, semicolon, or colon, then stories. So you want, to, you want the name of the page in that title, by the way. Because people are going to bookmark it, uh, and when they bookmark it, you see, I bookmark it here, and that's what I get is stories told through eavesdropping on email. I might want to have it just say email eavesdropper, then a colon, and then I can delete the last part for my bookmark. You also, though, want to have keywords in there. The first, uh, there's a great, you know, Google filed for a patent application a few years ago, and there is a great article about what we can tell about Google from its patent application. It's on a site called Buzzy. Oh. Uh, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. I've mentioned it before, but if you Google B-U-Z-Z, is it Buzzy or Buzzle? I think it's B-U-Z-Z-L-E and Google and Patent. You'll find this article. It's five years old, I think, now. But it has some really relevant, I think really the only relevant, this is called SEO, by the way, Search Engine Optimization. It has some of the most relevant information. Yeah, yeah, it's Buzzle, B-U-Z-Z-L-E. Yeah, yeah, see... The Google's good if you know what you're searching for. So there's a few things in here that are useful. Now, you all, everybody knows about PageRank, and that's what you were trying to game. Google bases your ranking on the number of people linking to you. But it has to be legitimate links. It can't be a link farm or Google get mad. Yeah. So you can. I mean, it's not, it's not illegitimate to encourage other fiction sites to link to you. To get people to talk about you with a link to your site is great. Because those links give you Google juice. Uh, you should also look at some of these other things, including they mentioned the title in here, uh, the first 1,500 characters. Some of this Google no longer does or has fine-tuned, but this is a, this is a, this is a very good article, and it has at the, at the last, overall, keep it ethical and you can't go far wrong. Don't be tempted to spam. And, and you know, I think what you're doing is great, and I think... Th- Really, it's not about Google for you. It's about people, you know, getting your concept and telling their friends and writing articles and mentioning it online, and that will help you with your Google juice. But what are people going to search for? Fictional surveillance? I didn't even know such a thing existed. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't. It's new, and that's why I don't that's... have a category I can stick it in. And, and... Well, you see, this is great, and I think that this is, a, this is kind of following on what I was talking about. While Google works and is good, there are some things it is not good at. For instance, something nobody knows about, so they don't know how to search for it. They can't, it doesn't, what are they going to, what are they going to search for? They don't know. Steve, good luck. I love it. uh, The site again, emaileavesdropper.com.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by Carbonite.com. It's backup done right. you got to back it up to get it back, so do it online, automatically, and affordably with Carbonite. Like, try it free for two weeks. Carbonite.com. Offer code Leo. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Phone number 888-827-5536. That's toll-free from anywhere in the U.S. if you want to talk about tech. I, just, I love this subject of, uh, of, of Google and the Internet. I think uh, it's, it's very telling that when, when, you, when you see that a billion people a month use Google to find recipes. And the people, people in the chat room are saying, and I love, you know, they're absolutely right. Well, no, come on. Nobody, you'd go to uh, allfood.com or epicurious.com. Or, you know, you'd go to a food site uh, and get a recipe there, wouldn't you? No. Well, some. But this is what's happened, is that more and more people use Google. I'll never forget visiting Google some years ago in the lobby, and they had, they had a screen showing kind of search searches, live searches. I doubt they do that anymore since there's so many. But one of the top searches was for Yahoo. And I said, wait a minute. You're telling me that people go... I mean, this was like one of the top one or two searches. People go to Google... And search for Yahoo? And the guy explained it. He said, well, the truth is what really happens is that people don't type in URLs anymore. You know what a URL... You, do you even know... Does anybody even know what a URL is? That's that, you know, www.yahoo.com. That's their uniform resource locator or URL. He says people don't type in yahoo.com in their browser. They just type Yahoo. <clears throat> Google comes up with the link and then click it. <laughs> so <clears throat> yeah okay that's uh so that's well, the point is that that's how people go to places on the internet now i was watching i won't name names one of my co-workers uh at using an ipad and uh, this co-worker did not you know i when i want to surf the web on the ipad i launch safari which is the browser and i and i go somewhere in safari right this coworker doesn't do that. This coworker has the Google link. I don't even have it on my front page. Has the Google link on the front page. Hits the Google search item. And that's how they go to the site they want to find. So even on the iPad where you've got a browser right here, no, no. They're they're using the Google just even just to go to a site. So I think a lot of people do this. Uh, you know, I remember talking to the guy who invented the World Wide Web, Tim Berners-Lee. Yes, somebody, some one person invented the World Wide Web. I know that's kind of strange to even think of. Very nice guy, Sir Tim Berners-Lee. He's been knighted since. Physicist. Particle physicist. He was working in Switzerland, in Geneva, at the atomic uh, uh, lab there, where they, you know, they fire protons at things. CERN. And he wanted a way to share uh, scientific articles with his colleagues, but let them uh, annotate it, modify it, mark it up. So he, he was using a Next Cube. Next was the computer company Steve Jobs started after he left Apple, before he came back to Apple. They were beautiful. He was using a Next Cube. He wrote some software on the on on this Next Cube that would allow him to put articles on the internet. There was an internet. There just wasn't a World Wide Web. 
Lao this is 1989, not even that long ago. Let him put articles on the internet that his colleagues could modify, amend, and add links to. That was the concept. The key concept was hyperlinking. Sir uh, Berners-Lee didn't invent hyperlinking. A guy named uh, Ted Nelson came up with that concept many years before, but he was the first to really implement it. And it just it took off from there in 1989. It just took off. That's the World Wide Web, the idea of a web page with links in it. And you click the link and you go to another web page. That's the World Wide Web. The Internet is what it's all floating on. And there's other stuff on the Internet, like our chat room, for instance, which is not the World Wide Web. Uh, those, are, those are different protocols. But I remember talking to Tim, and uh, he told me an interesting thing. He said, we never, ever thought people would type in URLs, HTTP colon slash. He said, if we knew people would be typing HTTP colon slash slash www.yahoo.com, we would have done that very differently. <laughs> we never thought that that wasn't designed for humans. That's, that's machine. That's machines. URLs are designed for machines. And, uh, well, it took some years, took 20 years, almost 30 years later. No, I guess 21 years later. Uh, People don't type in URLs. They don't type in yahoo.com. They just type in Yahoo. Hit return. Click the link. Simple. That's all. So maybe maybe Tim was right. Maybe the, maybe this whole idea of URLs was silly. Sterling is in Ohio. Our next caller. Hi, Sterling. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. How you doing? Wonderful. Welcome to the show. What can I do for you? Well, a friend of mine came to me last week, and he has literally thousands of items he wants me to sell for him, and I assume that would be okay. Um, maybe thousands? Well, that's a lot of work. Tell me about it. Well, it's golf clubs and signatures from old golf players like Gary Player and Byron Nelson and all them. Wow. And Because um, he used to run around with them, I guess. And I was wondering, what if... He- to have a Squarespace website with all the stuff listed with, you know, a, a store, but then do stuff on eBay, some of it on eBay, and can eBay link back to Squarespace? Can I have a link in there to go back to the major store at Squarespace? Mm, it's an inter- that's a really interesting uh, question. And, I'm, and, you know, on the one hand, you want to be where the buyers are. So eBay is certainly where a lot of buyers are. Uh, I would check and see if there are sports memorabilia auction sites or sites. See, the nice thing about eBay is you can set a price, but it can get bid up. You may not know how much Gary Player's autograph is worth. But eBay will, in effect, tell you because people will bid against each other to get it. Okay. So I like the idea of going to an auction site. I suspect there are also sports memorabilia auction sites, but I don't know. There there are many specialized sites. eBay's a generalist. But eBay really is designed, eBay really is designed to do what you want to do. The issue is how do you publicize it? And that may be a case of yes, you also want a website or a fa- and and a Facebook page. Uh, you might want to use every the, the real thing is you get the word out that we are selling this great memorabilia, which means you will have to go to sites, sports memorabilia sites and so forth and say, hey, we've got this great eBay auction going on. Well, most of the stuff is golf clubs that are, let's say, not signed, but they're vintage 1950 set of golf clubs that's never been used. OK, same same issue, which is now you're going to go to a site, not a sports memorabilia site, but a site where people uh, look for antique golf clubs. I'm sure there is such a thing. Okay. So what I, my suggestion would be, uh, is he in a hurry to get all this stuff sold? No, I mean, he, he, he's in a hurry only because of, 
he's uh, he's had a heart attack and a stroke, and this is what oh dear you kind of have something. Got to it. And so he, it's going to be a constant thing on me to what have you done today? <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say start a little slow because what you're, you're you're trying to understand the marketplace and get the most for the for uh, for you know get the get the most value for the doll, for the uh, item. So I wouldn't, for instance, just create a thousand eBay listings because you may not you may learn uh, from the first few that it's best to do this or that. Okay, but can you link back on your? eBay posting, can you is can you put a Yes, I think having a website is great. Uh, in fact, you might create a catalog on Squarespace and not sell it on Squarespace, but just have a catalog. Uh, get some, because this, this way you can have everything on there and say, this will be coming up for sale soon. People, You can generate some interest. You can have something people can look at it. And then link there, once you have the eBay auction going, link there to the eBay auction. So you get the best of both worlds. Uh, I would also look at a Facebook page for it. Okay. Uh, this is a lot of work. Uh, you you could probably do this through somebody, and you wouldn't get as much money, but it'd be a lot easier. If you're going to get a commission on it, I think it's putting, worth putting the time in. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Portion of the Tech Guy Show brought to you by me, Leo Laporte, and our phone number, <laughs> 8888-ASK-LEO. Hey, some of it could just be brought to you by me. Serious. <laughs> David in Ontario, Canada. Ah, oh, hi, David. How are you? Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Yeah, I have, um, I've just started a, a new venture, and it requires the use of a slow-moving uh, mobile vehicle. And we want to stay connected to the Internet, and we only want to travel square feet at a time so it's pretty slow so three feet at a time but you want to stay connected you want to stay connected in north america for sure mm-hmm. traveling and uh, are you going to go everywhere or where are you going to go well we hope to go everywhere uh, we've got an rv and um, i'm just not certain being in canada i don't know what i should do to be able to um, connect um, well, the most, the, the, of course, the widest internet coverage is provided by cell phone carriers, 3G. Okay. And uh, that's what we use. We use a program, a, a piece of hardware called a Live U, L-I-V-E, the letter U.com for video streaming. So we're able to do wireless video streaming at conferences and, you know, from anywhere. Mm-hmm. The Live U is interesting because it's based on uh, mobile data, you know, internet data from your wireless carrier, but it doesn't just rely on one carrier. It has slots for 12 different USB cards, and generally it'll have three or f- three or four from each of the major carriers, and then it bonds them together to get a higher speed connection, but also uh, to compensate for the fact that 3G is wildly, um, you know, fluctuates wildly in terms of its speed. Right. How much data are you sending? Well, not that much. We have people that are accessing our site. Um, and um, So you want to have a website? No, you're not going to be a mobile website, are you? Well, I have to have access to it because we have people that are placing a pin on a world map and we need to send them information. So they- well, but, okay, so this thing that's moving three feet, 
what is it, three feet an hour, three feet a day? Um, three square feet is really just a term that we use when we're in front of somebody else. We want to create a positive effect, so we call it three square feet at a time. So we're, our, our premise is to, to travel throughout Canada, um, well, actually North America. But, but you're in an RV. We're in an RV, that's right. So what you're asking is, where, what can I do in an RV to get full-time internet access? Full-time internet, that's correct. Okay, as opposed to having some device that's going around that's sending data back. You want to you be able to get on the net. I just want to get on the net. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, there are two, really only two ways to do this. One is a satellite dish. Some people do put a, put a DirecTV satellite dish uh, or a direct uh, data satellite dish on their, on their roof. The problem with that is it doesn't work while you're driving. It only works when you get to where you're going and you aim it. Okay. Uh, but, but I would say most people uh, in this situation, and there's a lot of truckers, for instance, listening to this show who use this, would just, just get a 3G device. Um, now, you're in Canada, so you're going to be going through Telos, Bell, or Rogers, right? Right. Uh, you should probably look and see who has coverage where you want to be. It may be, in fact, that Rogers has only, you know, the East Coast and Bell has the West Coast. Right. So you may have to get, you know, you may have to get more than one of these. But all three of them, I'm pretty sure, sell what's called a MiFi, which is a credit card size device that takes, gets its data access from the 3G network and then turns it into Wi-Fi so you can connect anything to it. Okay. Turns it into a Wi-Fi access, a, a Wi-Fi access point using 3G data. And you can do, on, on most of these, uh, five uh, or more, sometimes, uh, connections. But so you could use a regular laptop, a cell phone. You could use any device right. attached to it. So when I cross the border into the States, though, would I have to go on? Yeah, then you're going to have to go to a new carrier. Because <laughs> what you don't want to do is pay for data roaming. So you plan to go in the States as well? Yeah. Yeah, we're heading yeah. next week. So... I'd look at, uh, is, do you have Virgin Mobile in Canada? Virgin Mobile is in both Canada and the U.S. I bet you they still charge you roaming if you go from Canada to the U.S., but I would check with them. They have the lowest cost flat rate data plan. It's only 3G, but 3G is enough. And, and 4G is so, it's, 4G is, you know, G means generation. It's very, it doesn't communicate any information. Third generation or fourth generation data networks. Fourth generation networks are faster, but they're not widespread yet. Just get a 3G card. Uh, I, think, I think Virgin uh, is probably the best if you can get it there, it uses the Sprint network in the U.S. That probably means, well, I don't know what, what it would use in Canada. You'd have to check with them to see, hey, what does it cost if I go over the border? In my experience, it costs a lot. It's cheaper to get a device in the U.S. for the U.S. I'm not certain. Um, my my um, RV dealer has something called iCoach. And yeah, I don't know what that is. You know, there's only two ways to do this, satellite or 3G. So it's they're reselling one or the other. I wouldn't go with satellite. No. Yeah, it's just because you can't while you're moving. I presume you want to do this while you're moving, right? Yeah. What yeah. If, no, you, you pretty much have to go 3G. What if you had that satellite tracking system where it sort of moves? With yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess you could do that. It's also pricey. The bandwidth's not very... 3G is so much better. Satellite would be necessary only if you're going areas... And by the way, satellite, it doesn't cross uh, uh, international borders either. It would only work in if you're going to areas where uh, there's no 3G coverage. And that's, that's really going to be the issue is where are you going to go and what kind of coverage are they going to have there? Satellite also has issues with weather. 
technically it doesn't cross borders. Actually, technically it does cross borders because, of course, you could still see the satellite. But um, you're not supposed to. It's an interesting idea. I'd love to hear more about it when you uh, when you get this going. I think I think 3G is the way to go. I think that's how everybody, you know, all the uh, truckers that we talk to on the show who really have the same issue. You can you can you can always use Wi-Fi when you get to the truck stop or the or the campgrounds. But if you want to do it continuously, you've got to use 3G. Speaking of things you must do, you must protect yourself. I had a very, very interesting email conversation. Uh, I have these conversations regularly with uh, a tech guy who says, oh, no, I can disinfect any computer. And I just, I hate, I beg to differ. <laughs> it is so, is such a pain if you get infected. You Ultimately, you're going to have to wipe the computer, I think. But no matter what, it is it is major cost and time sink. Do not get infected in the first place. Avoid getting infected by malware. And you do that in two ways. One, by changing your behavior. And two, by having a great antivirus. There is none better than Nod32 from ESET. Now, if you're on Windows, I want you to try Nod32. It's ESET.com slash Leo. They have a product for the Mac, too. And increasingly, we're seeing these Mac exploits. I think it's worth taking a look at. It's called Cybersecurity for the Mac. Also, ESET.com, but that's slash Mac. Free for 30 days in either case. ESET.com slash Leo for Windows. ESET.com slash Mac for Mac. The Mac version, and I hope they'll do this in the Windows soon, has a great educational component because, frankly, that's the other side of this, is changing what you do online. You can also call 866-935-ESET. You may be using other antiviruses. You may be using free antiviruses. Don't be such a cheapskate. Trust me. It's more, It's what is it, 40 bucks? A year for an, a good antivirus. This, if you get if you get bit by a bug, you will pay anything. You will say, "I wish I had paid for ESET." Eset dot com slash Leo. If you use Windows, and now if you use Mac, you need ESET. Eset dot com slash Leo for Windows. Eset dot com slash Mac for Macintosh. Thirty days free. You got to try it. Back to the phones we go. And uh, Mervin in Fullerton, California. Hey, Mervin, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Yes, uh, yes. Thank you for taking my call, Leo. Yes. Thanks for calling, Mervin. Okay. And uh, so, what I have is a form that I have to fill out monthly, and it has to. And uh, I've been doing it, you know, penmanship by hand, and uh, and a lot of times the form is returned because I say, well, they can't. I can't read your writing. But uh, I've been doing it for a while. But I would like to do it by computer where I can just sure. take this form and just stick it right in the computer and, uh, and does it change it. a lot from month to month no it's the same form same it's just, <laughs> it has a vertical line and a horizontal I'm sorry horizontal line line so you just change the date once a month and send it again uh, yes I do yes I right. I put a date yeah. on it and for the so month, and it's then, a paper form in its form that it comes to you or is it is it electronic no, it's uh, it's just what they've made at at uh, the office, and they what, okay. what they've done. They've uh, I guess they look like they put this together themselves, but it has lines. It has to, uh, I have to fill it out showing works time right. work on certain jobs. Yeah, I do this too. It's like a timesheet. So uh, what you do is you scan it. You don't have to scan it yourself. You can bring it to a copy shop, and they'll scan it for you. And you get a digital file. You'd like to get a PDF. Uh, you fill actually best thing to do would be take it once type in the stuff that never changes then scan it so you never have to type that in again you've got it on your computer as a pdf and then you can modify it 
There's a great program on Mac called PDF Pen. Foxit on the PC. These are programs that let you add text to PDFs. You're done. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte here, my geek friends. Yes, it's Big Bang Theory for the radio. Just call me Sheldon. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number if you want to talk about techno. Actually, I am uh, I'm the anti-Sheldon. I try to use English. I don't take great pride in obfuscating what we're talking about. I, in fact, I, I feel bad if you can't understand what I'm talking about. We want to help you understand technology so you can use it to change the world. That's what I'm here for. 88 88 Ask Leo. That's the uh, number if you want to call with a question or a comment or a suggestion. That's toll free 1 888 827 5536. Our last caller uh, at, the, at the end of the last hour, and I ran out of time, so I kind of uh, did the quick version of the answer, said, and this is, it's actually a good thing to know, uh, said, I have to fill out a paper form every month. It's a pain in the butt, never changes. Can you help me do this with a computer? The best way to do this, of course, would be to get an electronic version of the form. They may have one. If they, uh, if you say, could you have a PDF version of this form and they can give it to you, that would be the best. You could yourself recreate it. I know when I used to fill out timesheets, working for the great KFI, I can, can now be revealed in Los Angeles. <laughs> but I think it was KFI that demanded timesheets. I can't remember. One of my last radio gigs, they had to fill out a timesheet every week. It was always the same. I worked 11 to 2 Saturday and 11 to 2 Sunday. So I, I filled in all, I, I took, I actually recreated the paper form, I think, in Microsoft Word is I think what I did. Because a lot of times you get these timesheets and they're copies of copies of copies of copies and they're kind of faded and, and speckled. So I, I made it nice over again. I made a digital version that looked good. Filled in the stuff that never changes. Turn that into a PDF or something that you can keep and save. If you have, uh, you know, a PDF program like Adobe's Acrobat. Actually, my favorite is Foxit Phantom. It's a lot less expensive. I think it's uh, hundred bucks. It's on sale right now, as I as I remember. F O X I T Foxit. See, my dog got all excited when I said Fox. Foxitsoftware.com. And they they do make the Foxit Reader, which is a free program, but you'll need the higher end PDF creator. Oh, look at that. 100 bucks, that's it, the PDF editor. And then if you get the full suite, it's 129 bucks. This allows you to create, edit, secure, and view PDF. This will let, let you create a, what's called a fillable form. A, a PDF, this is a file format called portable document format, a PDF uh, that you can edit. This is for Windows. Look at this, sign up for Netflix and get PDF Creator for free. That's cool. So there's there may be you know there, there I like Foxit stuff much better than Adobe's stuff, and also much more secure. If you're on the Mac, go to SmileSoftware.com, and a uh, little disclaimer here: 
Smile Software is a sponsor of my podcasts, but this is the greatest program ever. It's called PDF Pen. Same thing. Edit PDFs easily. So PDF, the PDF format is a format Adobe created, but it's a free and open format anybody can use that is essentially a picture of a document. But you can, you know, create different kinds of PDFs. You can create editable PDFs, PDFs that are forms that somebody can fill in. Or you can use special software. If the PDF's not locked, you can use special software to edit it yourself. So what I do this all the time. I'll get a form. You know, my kid, uh, you know, plays lacrosse and he's going to lacrosse camp. So we'll get health forms, forms to fill out. They, you know, it's nice. They say you could download them from the website. So I do. And usually when you when you do that, that's a PDF. That's the format. And what they say is print this out, fill it out, and fax it back to us. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh. I have a better way. So I'll download this PDF. I'll open it up in PDF Pen on the Mac or a Foxit Creator on the uh, PC. And I, and I can type into it. And I'll, you know, with the computer. If, you, if, if the form doesn't change a lot, fill in all the form stuff, save it out as a new PDF, and then modify, as the case of our last caller, modify the date once a month. It couldn't be easier. Now, you can do two things. You can email it back to them as a PDF. Most people now will accept that. Or if they're really, you know, old-fashioned, yes, you could you could fax it to them. I use a service called eFax that lets me fax a digital PDF to them, and it comes out of their fax machine as a printed. Or worst case, you print it out, stick it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, and that's primitive, and mail it to them. But this is a lot easier than each time filling the thing out. It's so much easier. Foxit software on the uh, PC. Uh, I like PDF Pen on uh, the Mac. There is a free open source program on the Mac called Formulate Pro, or maybe just Formulate, uh, that does something similar. Frankly, I you know one of the nice things about PDF Pen is you can have a library of things that you stick in PDFs a lot. In that library, I have my signature and my initials. And I just paste my initials and my signatures in there. And that makes, I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, that's, I mean, it's the signature I signed. I just signed and scanned it, but I think that makes it a legal document. You should check with the people you're working with, make sure that they will accept that as a signed document. I think it is. It's my signature. I just pasted it in onto an electronic document and sent it to them. Maybe the IRS wouldn't like it. You should ask them. IRS, by the way, I know we're getting close to tax time, does offer all of their forms as PDFs. So you can get, if you go to uh, irs.gov, you can go to their forms and publications page and look what they've got, all of these as PDFs. I'm just, I wonder, let me, let me get the 1040 EZ because that's the form most people do. It's a PDF. I wonder if I, I wonder if this is an editable PDF or they, they expect you, no, you can, it's editable. So you can literally just type in your information. That would be the way this company that's giving you this form should do it. See how easy that is? You can you can open this PDF on, now it doesn't do the math for you, but you can open this PDF on your computer, type it in, save it. You can even save it and work more on it later. And uh, and And then send it to the IRS. It's a PDF. So it's kind of a cool format, the portable document format. Idea being that um, forms, typography, graphics all look the same no matter what computer you're using to look at it. You don't have to have that font. 
Back to the phones. Uh, Bill is in Phelan, California. Phelan Groovy. Hi, Bill. Hey, hi, Leo. How you doing? Great. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, I've, I've called you before, but about four years ago, but I try to listen to you every week or every chance I can possibly get. Thank you, Bill. All right. Listen, I'm, I'm an actor, kind of old school, and I'm also a special effects guy, nuts and bolts and rubber band type thing, who's kind of entering into the digital age. I, I think I'm just a little bit older than you, and I fall at that middle point, coming out of analog and kind of right. going into digital. And um, I uh, had a few setbacks in life, and I'm trying to get my career kick-started again. So I put up a YouTube uh, channel. doesn't have much on it right now. I've had it about four years just to secure it. But uh, I want what, to... What's, what's can, can we look at it? What's your YouTube oh, channel? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think you'll like what you see when you see it. It's uh, Bill Blake SPFX, which is shorthand for special effects. Well, that's neat. You do special effects? Yeah, yeah. I was trained by John Chambers, who did the original Planet of the Apes oh, makeup. Yeah. In fact, there you are in an ape costume. That's me in the ape makeup. And if you run it, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing Roddy McDowell. Oh, wow. So you recreated it? I, I recreated it, yeah. I used to be licensed with Fox, and I'm only one of four people that actually officially played the Cornelius character at the time. First one wow. was James Brolin in the test film. Then there was wow. Roddy McDowell. Then there was David Watson, who replaced Roddy McDowell in one film because Roddy couldn't do it. And I was the official live licensed guy to go out and do the Roddy McDowell character on the road and promote the films and TV show. It convinces me. Oh, thank you. you thank you. You that, darn that dirty our, ape. What's that? <laughs> you darn dirty ape, you. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Charlton Heston I'm imitating there. Hey, hang on the line. I would love to talk more with you, Bill. Sure. We're going to take you. a little break. Leo, <laughs> you did it, darn you. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888-ASK. Leo, that's the phone number. We're talking about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, helping people get the most out of digital technology. Bill, like me, came of age as digital technology was just starting to take off. And uh, he's starting to use it a little bit to uh, get his career uh, going. He's an actor. Hi, Bill. Hi, Leo. Thanks for uh, letting me put you on hold there. Oh, no problem. I, actually, during the break, I was looking at your screen over at Twit, and I saw some of the guys in the chat room asking about my Hollywood setback and if that was just Hollywood speak. Well, well, well is it? Uh, no, no. I had a very bad identity theft and a real estate fraud, and I wound up losing everything. Oh, I'm building, no. Yeah, I'm building back up from scratch again, and that's the <sighs> other reason I'm doing this. Producers and different people I've worked with are starting to gradually send me tapes and interviews and stuff I did from the past. And I'm going to start posting it periodically up on my YouTube channel. It's going to kind of become my social networking site. That's great. Well, I'm so sorry to hear that that happened to you. Yeah, and it didn't have uh, much to do with computers either. It was like paper real estate fraud and stuff. Right. Uh, uh, but I don't want to dwell on the negative part. Uh, just, I want just to as a, but just a, just a little side on that. A lot of times people think, oh, it's all through the computers. No, in fact, most identity theft is still paper-based. They'll go through your garbage or whatever and uh, and use paper documents. So. 
it you know it, it can happen in a lot of different ways. Yeah, uh, we, and I'm we, really we, sorry that that happened. Yeah, we had a guy who had my address and telephone number trying to get into an air academy before nine one one. Oh, it was a terrorist. Uh, that's what we think. Yeah, we're not sure. Oh the FBI God. won't say much. There's an FBI report on it. Holy moly! Well, Bill, yeah. I, 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 boy, I'm I'm glad that you're coming back from that. That's a terrible setback. And uh, what can I do to help you? Well, uh, as you notice, that clip there is very crudely edited. I did that with Windows Movie Maker. And I think that in the past I was able to do better jobs cutting 16 millimeter film on a movieola. <laughs> I think you're right. And Although I have, I have done to say, that. Windows Movie Maker has has improved uh, with time, but you're right; it's not a very good tool. Yeah, and I'm PC based here, so uh, I've been looking at uh, Adobe Premiere Elements, and that's I, what I recommend. Yeah, and as much stuff as I can do mechanically and technically, like if you look at that little thumbnail of me on YouTube. Uh, mm -hmm. In my bio down there, I built that camera stabilizer that's in the biography there. Wow! Yeah, uh, I can do that stuff, but somehow the digital stuff eludes me a little bit. I think I'm having to readjust my brain a little bit into the digital era. I think that's the case, and I think often uh, it's the oh, look at that. This is basically a Steadicam, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I built that from scratch. Wow, that's cool. That's a military backpack frame holding the the, the arm out in front of me. Here's the good news, Bill. For a while, it was all digital. And increasingly, it's getting to be about both. People who can build things, make things like that, are of immense value. Yeah. So don't feel like we've left the uh, the handmade things behind. In fact, there's a whole make movement that's started. Uh, people who want to make things with their hands. In fact, there's a magazine for it called Make Magazine. Uh, I want. We're going to start a show on the Twit Network. We're, we're negotiating this right now with the folks who do Make Magazine to do a maker show to highlight people who are making things. So oh, wow. Book it me. goes hand in hand. It really does. Yeah. Book me, Leo. Book me. You got it. Deal. Yeah. So, okay, well, uh, yeah, Adobe Premiere Elements, is uh, it's under 100 bucks. It's much better than Windows Movie Maker. Uh, it allows you to burn DVDs as well and make DVD, uh, you know, very nice-looking DVD interactive formats. Um, it, it handles a lot more file types. Uh, it's a great program. Okay. I was looking for, like, the bare minimum. I know they've got all kinds of suites and everything, yeah. and I just wanted the bare minimum to experiment with and just kind of cut my teeth on it. You know, something relatively easy that I can get into, kind of sidle into gradually, but still do enough professional work so that when I'm trying to show a casting director or somebody, it looks polished. Right. Uh, I wouldn't get, you know, it's seventy nine ninety nine on Adobe's site right now. That's what you want, Adobe Premiere Elements 9. Okay. Uh, you don't need to get Photoshop elements. No. Uh, they will bundle that in if you want, but that's just for stills. Uh, this thing does pretty much everything you're going to want to do. I mean, if you get a little fancier, uh, the full-blown Premiere has even more capabilities, but it's a 1000 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Now, now here's so. just one more question, Leo. D does the lesser uh, uh, program, the lesser uh, Adobe Premiere... Does it have any squeezing features that you know of? In other words, anamorphic, widescreen, to mm. unsqueeze and uh, make it look correct proportionately. It may not, but there are certainly programs, free programs out there that will do that. Right, because I'm starting to shoot more sample stuff and, and my acting stuff in anamorphic, so it looks like theatrical widescreen. I have That's what you want. Lenses. You want 16.9, yep. yep. Yeah. Well, no, actually more than one uh, than 16.9. Uh, it goes to 2.35 to 1. Ah, that's the, the CinemaScope, the uh, Panavision aspect right. ratio. Extra wide. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If I shoot it with that lens, I have to unsqueeze it. If I shoot on 16 to 9, I take it out further, and it gives me scope, full scope. Oh, that's really interesting. No, I, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, 
let me see if I can find out for you. Alex, our friend Alex Lindsay at Pixel Core would know all about this. Pixel Core, P-I-X-E-L-C-O-R-P-S dot com. Okay. Um, and he is an expert. And this basically what Pixel Core does is teach people this stuff and then help them get work. In fact, they, Alex just told me the other day they have more work for people who do 3D shooting, editing, than they can, than they have people to do the work. They've actually got to the point where there's so much work out there. Mm, so okay. this would be a good company for you to know about since you are into this stuff. Right. I'm trying to write it down here, but you'll have it in the show notes, right? Yeah. P-I-X-E-L, like a pixel. Yeah. And core, like Peace Corps. C-O-R-P-S dot com. Oh, C-O-R-P. Yeah, I had it wrong. Okay. Yeah, corpse. Oh, right. I don't want to say corpse. It sounds bad. Oh, right. Uh, I do. I don't know off the top of my head, but I would imagine, you know, this, this, this extra wide anamorphic is a little bit different. Most camcorders now are shooting 16.9 and... Uh, Right. And most programs can handle 16.9. Uh, there are lots of freebie programs out there that are designed to do modification, you know, de-interlacing, uh, squeezing and stuff. And I bet you there's quite a few programs out there that will do what you want. But I don't. I just don't know what the right program is. Yeah, see, my, my mind is telling me they should have something like that because digital filmmakers I've talked to are doing some anamorphic stuff because they sure, but I think this like might be the thing that Hollywood. goes in the higher end thousand dollar program because most consumers aren't doing this. Right, right. Okay. You know, but I, so I'll che- I, I'll check. Maybe somebody in the chat room will know. And keep listening. We'll see if we can find out for you. Great, but Leo, congratulations! Thanks for the opportunity I, to show my stuff on your show too. It's it's great, and the uh, the, the website if you want to watch his uh, his uh, darn dirty ape, filthy ape, <laughs> is <laughs> youtube.com slash Bill Blake SPFX. That's short for special effects. Bill Blake SPFX on YouTube. Hey, Bill, thanks. It's good to talk to you. Stay in touch. I'd love to know how it works out for you. Great, Leah. Listen, thanks a lot. I, I really appreciate everything. My pleasure. Take care. Great to talk to you. This is exciting. You know, I mean, uh, there is an opportunity for everybody, and I mean, even somebody who comes from the old school or real filmmaking uh, with YouTube and these, these new inexpensive tools to create their own thing. I've been a broadcaster for 36 years. Uh, on traditional radio and television. And now, uh, thanks to the affordable, uh, uh, you know, consumer-grade almost products and the Internet, I can do my own thing, have my own, in effect, my own radio and TV station on the Internet. <clears throat> that's what my, that's what when people say, well, we're watching you on Twit, that's what they're talking about. Twit is my podcast network. It's T-W-I-T dot TV. And you can watch a show on it, by the way, live dot Twit dot TV. And all the other shows, we do, well, I don't know how many hours, 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week now of programming for, for hardcore geeks. The website for the radio show is techguylabs.com. In fact, there's a link there to Twit and everything else. The chat room, too. We'd love to get you in there. Techguylabs.com. We've got more coming up in just a bit. This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet 
at an amazing price call, 866, the number two, get net to get. DSL Extreme, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. You know, just a little uh, behind the scenes here. I don't do uh, the radio show in a radio studio. You know, radio studios are soundproof rooms. They often have big, you know, 400-pound doors and, and, and sound locks with another door. And they have double-pane glass and they have stuff on the wall and, they, and they're dead. And I don't do my radio show there. I do it in the Tech Guy Labs. There are people around. There's noise. I've got windows open. I've got fans going. I have about, I, I, at last count, I think 15 computers all running in this room right next to me. And uh, and the reason it doesn't sound like I'm in Grand Central Station is because of the great microphones we use here. It's funny, I got an email from one of our program directors a couple of years ago saying, how come you sound better on your remotes than we sound in our, you know, million dollar padded room studios? And uh, And I had to say it's because of these microphones. The funny thing is, these radio stations will spend thousands on a microphone, literally. This is a $350 microphone. It's from a company called Heil Sound, H-E-I-L. You, you've seen it because uh, it's on Letterman's desk. Letterman has one of these. It's a Heil PR40. And it's all I use these days. Anyway, the reason I mention it is is the guy who designed this microphone, Bob Heil, longtime rock and roll sound guy. He did. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland for the, for the quadraphonic sound he did for The Who, for Quadrophenia, their Quadrophenia tour. But also... A ham, a great ham. He's K9EID. And just the nicest guy ever. He designed the mic. We're going to talk to him. I'm gonna, he's going to be here for a little bit. We're going to talk to him about an hour about, I don't know, microphones and being a geek from way back. And he told me, he just told me that he saw my friend Eric Schwartz. And Eric, if you're listening, uh, tip of the hat to you. Eric and I started in radio in college in 1976. That's how old I am. And uh, Eric was a station manager. I was the program director of the college station WYBC in New Haven. And Eric was a geek because even then in 1976, I remember Eric saying, I'm building a computer. And we thought, what? What? (laughs) You can't build a computer. You need a a room, you know, a giant 10,000 square foot room with air conditioning. You can't build a computer. What are you talking about? Of course, I realize now that it was probably one of the early kick computers, perhaps a Mitz Altair or something like that. And he was right on the money. You know, he was at the beginning of that digital revolution. He now runs a company called Elecraft, which makes uh, ham radio equipment. Some of the best uh, custom ham gear out there. So, Eric, if you're listening, hi. Been a long, been a long time. <laughs> you should talk like this. Uh, another program. So, Bob, Bob Howell will be next hour. Tomorrow at this time, Steve Martin will join us. The actor, the comic, the banjo plucker. He's got a new CD. I want to talk about the new CD. But you've probably seen him on Twitter. His Twitter handle, Steve Martin to go. He has taken to this medium and and really advanced it. Fascinating what he's doing with Twitter. He's also an iPad fanatic. We'll get his iPad 2 review. He uses iPads on stage when he's performing in, you know, in, in his banjo. He has set notes and stuff on his iPad. He has several iPads, and I'm very curious what he thinks about the iPad, too. So, uh, Steve Martin, one of, just a great, another great guy. I am very fortunate to know some really nice people. He's one of them. But, meanwhile, that's tomorrow at this time. Meanwhile, back to the phones, Keith in Escondido, California. Hi, Keith. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 
Hi, Leo. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, before I forget, I need to say hi to my twins. They're sitting out in the car listening on the radio, Trinity and Alexander. <laughs> Did you put them out there so they wouldn't make any noise? No, not really. We just can't get the radio station in our house. Uh, we got Oh, off. wow. I used to do that with my dad. We would sit in the car and listen to old-time radio because we couldn't get the signal in the house. <laughs> Isn't that fun? So Trinity and Alexander, hello. <laughs> They'll be thrilled to hear that. <laughs> hello. Dad's on the radio. So <laughs> what can I do for you, Keith? Well, the reason I call this is uh, they're both, uh, my daughter's playing uh, softball and my son's playing baseball. And I'm trying to record them uh, hitting and my daughter pitches, so I'm trying to record her pitching. And I, I really want to, to stop the action. And uh, right now I, I have a Panasonic Lumix uh, DMC ZS3, which is a decent little camera. It's a great camera, yeah. And then I put it on, uh, on Windows Live Movie Maker and I can go frame by frame but her arm is still a blur. Yeah, no, you need a different kind of camera. Uh, a camera that shoots super slow-mo, and they're cheap from Casio. Yes. They, make, they make a camera just for this. It's amazing. It's a, called an Exilum. It's a standard point-and-shoot, but this is, you know, everybody who does point-and-shoot cameras is trying to find a way to distinguish their camera from somebody else. This Exilum, which is a, just a few hundred dollars, it's a fine 12.5 zoom, you know, which is nice for sports. Uh, it's, I think it's 10 megapixels, something like that. But it will shoot 1,000 frames per second. Oh, perfect. Now, if you shoot 1,000 frames per second, you can do super slow-mo. I guarantee you, you'd be able to see your daughter's arm. You'd be able to see the ball come off the bat. You'd be able to see exactly where it hit the bat. It is an amazing camera. Right. Yeah. So it's. It's. I assume it was. It was just the frame rate and not the the software. Yeah. Or the, um... You. You know. If you think about it, that any camera that's shooting a video, standard video, is shooting sixty. What they call sixty fields per second. So there's there. If you think of it, it's one sixtieth of a second is that shot. Like if you took a still shot with a shutter rate at one sixtieth of a second. So can you freeze her arm or their bat at a one sixtieth of a second? No. When you shoot that with a still. You'll shoot a 500th or a thousandth of a second. You'll shoot much higher speed shutter because you want to freeze the action. You can't freeze it at a 60th of a second. You can at one 1,000th, and that's why uh, a 1,000 frames per second, you're getting a 1,000 images every second, and one of those images, every one of them is going to be crystal clear, and they'll be exact, you know, I mean, it's amazing what you'll be able to see. The detail is incredible. Yeah, and that's great if I can take a snapshot off any one of those and, and make a, a picture out of it. So that'd be Yeah, you should be able to, yeah. So they make a number of high-speed cameras. Um, I think this is the, let me just see what the model number is. It's it, Well, it's just the E-X-I-L-M, Exilum, that's their Casio's camera brand. And the, and the, the, H, the HS models are high-speed. I think that's the ZR10 or the ZR100. ZR10, ZR100, okay. I think the, let me see the, uh, you should look at the speed. The ZR10 is 300 bucks. Um, the ZR100 is a little bit more. I think you probably want the 100 for the capability of getting the, uh, let's see, ZR, it's pretty compact, blah, 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 299. That's, that's, that's list. So you're talking 250. It's a not, a, it's a, it's a standard point and shoot camera with this amazing additional feature. Good, good deal. Yeah, it's how, thank you for the call and good, and, <laughs> Good luck in your games, Trinity and Alexander. Thank you, Leo. <laughs> Take care, Keith.
Yeah, this is everybody's got to find a way to differentiate themselves these days. There's so many, you know, digital cameras out there. And Casio's decided to uh, focus on high speed. It's kind of cool. I uh, I saw a demo at uh, CES this year, and they had karate uh, performers. You know, really high speed karate uh, fights and things. And and what they do at the big consumer electronics show is they they build they build a ring, a boxing ring almost, with cameras all around it. And you can walk up and you can use the camera. It's kind of attached, but you can use the camera and shoot video and see what it looks like. And it's remarkable. It really is. I wouldn't buy this camera unless you knew you wanted to do it. It's not necessarily one of the greatest still cameras. It's not bad. I don't usually recommend it. But boy, if, if high speed is what you're looking for, uh, this is amazing. Really is amazing. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the number. 888-275-536. As I mentioned, we have a great website. James DeRuvo is writing everything down, including links to the Casio and all the products I mentioned. And you'll find that at techguylabs.com. Techguylabs.com. More of your calls right after this. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Be swift in our chat room has mentioned, and I think it is an important thing. If you do shoot 1,000 frames a second on that Casio, the image size gets pretty small, 224 by 64. That's awfully small. So you might not want to push it all the way. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. If you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, or you know, if you want to improve on an answer, if you say, oh, no, you know, I've got a kid who's in... Uh, Little League, and I use camera XYZ, and it's even better. That's what we're here for. Uh, the the Canon, there's a Canon that uh, another person in the chat room mentioned, the Canon PowerShot SD4000IS. It's a, one of those great, I love these little ELF cameras that Canon makes. They're very compact. These are nice little cameras. It also has a high-speed mode, 200 frames per second. But in the high-speed mode, it also reduces the uh, resolution of the video not quite so much, but to 320 by 240. Uh, okay. If you, you know, if you want super crisp, mm. uh, it's going to be a little difficult. But I, I think for stuff like sports, super slow-mo is fantastic. You know, I think coaches should have these in high school sports. It'd be just very useful. 8888-ASK-LEO, though, if you have a suggestion or a better way, we'd love to hear from you. John in Lake Forest, California, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Hey, how are you, John? Good. About a year and a half ago, I talked to you, and I bought a iMac uh, 27-inch. It took me about a year and a half to do it, but I did it, and I'm really, really happy with it. Oh, good. You don't hate me for it, huh? Oh, uh, no. Oh. Two questions, uh, though, for you. Um, and I'll go with the second question first, though. Is there really a need for not 32 on there? Um, I'm listening to commercials here online today, but Apple said I really don't need anything. Currently, you don't. I, the, the, the thing I like about what not 32 is, is, uh, has made a uh, antivirus for the Mac. They were slow to do so because there really isn't 
at this point, there aren't any viruses in the wild for the Mac. So having an antivirus is like, well, what do you need one for? There are a couple of reasons you might want one. One of the things that they've done with this, and I think it's a really good idea, is there's a lot of education built into it. Because there is, it is, look it, it is the case that you're the number one way to keep yourself safe. So the more you know about security, the more you know about keeping uh, your system clean, the better. The risk on Macs today isn't similar to the risk on Windows. First of all, there's a lot more Windows machines. That's where the bad guys go. Uh, but there is a risk, and it's called something called spear phishing. If you are a corporation, a company, or an individual that a bad guy wants to target, you've all heard about phishing scams. These are emails, P-H-I-S-I-N-G. These are emails that pretend to be from your bank or from PayPal or someone. And it looks very real. And they say, oh, no, you know, your account's in jeopardy because it's, we've seen some foreign access. And if you've got to log in right now, click this link and log in right now and verify that you are who you say you are. They, they look very official, very real. You do it. You click the link. The problem is that link does not take you to PayPal or your bank. It takes you to a hacker's site that looks the same. You log in and it says, OK, you're fine. And in fact, what you've done is give them your login. So those are called phishing scams. Spear phishing is targeted phishing. Let's say, you know, you have a company and I'm in a competitor and I want to find out more about your company. Well, I may want to get a virus on your system. What better way than to send all of your employees a targeted email that looks like the real deal, comes from the boss or whatever, says, click this link. They click the link and I get into your system. And it's and this is, by the way, totally doable. The Mac is very hackable. It's just that, you know, the mainstream guys aren't going after it, but but individuals could. And as a result, you could be compromised and not even know it. So that is a legitimate concern. That's one of the reasons if you're in a business, certainly you would you would absolutely want security, whether you're using Mac or Windows on all your systems. Um, you know, there was a, there's a. Uh, security conference every year in Canada and Vancouver called CanSec West, Canadian Security West. Uh, they just had it about uh, two weeks ago, and they have a little contest. I think it's such a great idea called Pwn to Own. The hackers, when you've taken over a computer, the hackers say you've pwned it. It's a long and silly pun, but uh, the story behind it is too long for me to tell now. But Pwn to Own is a competition for hackers. Well, I mean, let's not say hackers, for security professionals. They take standard computers with the standard browsers. Now that this year they did uh, mobile operating systems as well. And they put up a prize, a fairly large prize. Usually it's a uh, Apple laptop and $10,000. And it goes to the first person to pwn, to take over that system. The first computer to be taken over was an Apple Macintosh using a Safari attack. It took the guy five seconds. He sat down five seconds later he'd won $10,000 in a Macintosh computer. So it's a mistake for, and I use Macs. I, it's a mistake for us Mac owners to assume that Macs are secure. They're not. They're merely not much attacked. So you, do you need an antivirus? I think probably not. Um, but it's not a, <laughs> certainly no harm having one. And, uh, and it might not be a bad idea, especially if you're in a business where you could be a target for, targeted for an attack. It's trivial to take over a Macintosh. It's not hard. All right. My, my main question, though, is uh, I'm on Verizon Wireless. Uh -huh. I'm thinking about uh, either getting the Apple i4 
getting the thunderbolt or waiting two weeks when the bionic comes out. And my son's pushing me to wait for the bionic. Yeah, I'll tell you why you might want it. The bionic actually is a little more modern. The Thunderbolt, which is a nice phone, it's basically like a, you know, it's a 4.3-inch phone. It's basically like the Sprint Evo. It's an HTZ, uh, HTC Evo for Verizon. But it's a 1 gigahertz processor. It's not kind of the latest, greatest technology. I think the Bionic is going to be the, the latest, greatest technology, as I remember. And hook it up back to the Apple shouldn't be much for pro. Uh, you don't ever hook it up to the Apple, really. Uh, Android phones, uh, unlike iPhones, don't synchronize with the Apple by hooking them up generally. They synchronize over the air, which is, I think, preferable. So I use Android, love Android. Uh, what I would suggest if you want to get an Android phone is you move your contacts from uh, address book to the Google contacts. That's easy to do. Uh, use the Google Calendar in, in addition to iCal. Both the latest version of iCal and address book will automatically sync to Google. Then when you log into your Google account on your new Android phone, it just goes, oh, yeah, let me get the address book in the calendar. And three seconds later, your phone has all your numbers. It's beautiful. Uh, there is a program I recommend for Android users. It's free. It's called Double Twist. It's basically iTunes for Android. It will look at your iTunes and copy your playlists, and you can use it to sync music over to your Droid. Uh, and uh, there's even a, far, a $4.99 uh, Wi-Fi sync feature. This is something Apple's never done, which means that when you come into the house with your Bionic or your um, your uh, Thunderbolt, and it gets onto the Wi-Fi network, it it synchronizes with your computer automatically. So if you've got new music on your computer, it'll synchronize it. That kind of thing. The thing the thing to remember though that Android doesn't do as well as the iPhone is TV and movies, copy protected stuff. Um. You know, iTunes, you can rent a movie and have it automatically go to your iPhone. I don't know if you're going to watch TV and movies in your phone. But if you are and you want to do it on, a, on, a, on an Android-based phone, you, you kind of have to do it manually. You have to convert it for the phone and then put it on the phone by dragging it over. I wouldn't. I, to me, that's not a big deal. Well, one of the things I want more than anything is the speech to text for text. Oh, yeah. You mean this, the, the talking to the phone and having it send emails and things like that? Yeah. And I hear yeah, it's, Oh, it's the best. It's the best. Yeah. So you press and hold the uh, the magnifying glass in the front of the phone and you say, send text to John message. And then you say the message and it sends it to you. It's remarkable. That's funny. I do that. That's Android. I do that all the time. And that's better than the iPhone Dragon. Well, Dragon doesn't work that way. You can dictate to Dragon, but then you have to get it over to... You have to cut and paste it. You have to do it manually. iPhone currently doesn't have that capability. They bought a company called Siri, S-I-R-I, that makes a really interesting program you can give instructions to, and Siri will act on them. You could say, make a reservation for a table for two tomorrow at, uh, at the Lonely Supper Club, and it will do that. But um, they haven't yet incorporated that into the Apple operating system. I thought maybe they would with this new version. They didn't. Let's watch carefully, though. The iPhone 5 will be coming out in June, probably. And uh, I hear rumors that they're going to put a lot of interesting features into that. I, I Truthfully, I think there's nothing better. Now, now, please don't think this is like HAL 9000 in 2001. It doesn't understand your speech. It still makes mistakes. You sometimes have to do corrections. It's not perfect, but it's the closest thing we got. Send text to listeners. Message. I am Leo Laporte, the tech guy. We'll be right back 
after this. Good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. Phone number 8888-ASK-LEO. If you've got a question, a comment, a suggestion, I'd love to hear from you. We'll get to the phones right now in about, uh, let's see, about uh, 15 after the hour. I'm going to be joined by Bob Heil, my good friend, microphone designer, ham, and former rock and roll sound man. He just showed me a picture of him and ZZ Top. What year was that from? 72, 73? Yeah. Wow. They didn't even have, they, so long ago, they, they didn't even have beards. They probably couldn't even grow them. 8888 Ask Leo. Uh, oh, I wanted to mention briefly, because we are caller, last caller of the uh, last hour, asked a question. I don't know if I, I, I gave you a, a, a full answer. He wanted to know, should he buy, he's a Verizon customer, obviously, looking at an Android phone. Wants to know if you should buy the latest Android phone from Verizon, the Thunderbolt. That's an HTC manufactured phone. Or wait for the Motorola Droid Bionic. Both of these will be 4G phones, so they use the newer high-speed data network from Verizon. I would caution that 4G is not available in many areas. Verizon has promised to have it in 45 cities by the end of the year. But you might want to check what their roadmap is for your particular area. Uh, also, secondarily, uh, you can't get the Bionic, and we don't, <laughs> we don't know exactly when. We're thinking, you know, maybe the summer. Might be a couple of months. Might be three months. Might be four or five months. If you can wait, I would, because the Bionic uh, is very similar in most features to the Thunderbolt. It's got a 4.3-inch screen. It's got an 8-megapixel camera. Lots of memory. But it is uh, superior in one way. It has two processors. It's dual-core, dual-gigahertz processors. I think it's probably functionally the same as the uh, Atrix, which Motorola is selling on AT&T right now. Um, I think going forward, starting uh, this summer and going forward, most new smartphones will be dual-core. Sh- the new Apple will be dual-core. And and I think what will happen, is, of course, is as you see these phones get so fast, the operating systems will start to demand that kind of speed. It just all you if you <laughs> you want a roadmap for this, all you have to do is think back about fifteen twenty years to the PC industry. It's very similar. As operating systems got more sophisticated, as Windows got you know bigger and heavier. Uh, there was kind of a, a seesaw back and forth between 
the capability of the computer and the capability of the operating system. They needed more speed, and Intel ran as fast as they could to give faster and faster processors. Well, now the processors have caught up. Any processor you buy today is fast enough to run Windows. That's not an issue. However, for a while, Windows was pretty slow. And I think we're going to see the same thing where uh, on phones, they'll get faster and faster, and the operating system will get more and more sophisticated. It'll be a seesaw back and forth. Uh, and eventually, the processors will be as fast on phones as they are on desktops, and then it won't be an issue. They actually almost are, aren't they? When you talk about dual gigahertz processors on these phones, phones have a bigger issue, that, you know, constrained resources. They don't have as much, ba- you know, they've got to run all day on a battery. They don't have as much memory. So those things become more of an issue than a processor speed. But uh, I, So that's the next question is, does the Bionic have good battery life? And that's one we won't know till it comes out. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. Andrew in Portland, Oregon. You're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Thanks for calling. Hey, sorry if I seem a little nervous. I was getting kind of nervous on the radio. Don't um, be nervous. It's just us guys. <laughs> yeah. Just the two of us. <laughs> well, I watch your shows during the week. Love them all. Well, good. So, you see, you, you feel right at home, don't you? Yeah, pretty much. Have you but, ever been in our uh, chat I don't room? I how much your call screen told you about what I was calling about. I, I sh- you know, uh, she wrote it all down, but I don't pay any attention to that. So <laughs> you um, tell me. <laughs> I'll try to give you the short version. Okay. I, uh, I'm trying to get a service dog for me. And basically, it's not covered by medical at all. And I've been in and out of the hospital. And I generally don't ask for money, and I generally try to get it on my own. But it's just so much money at this point. How much does a service dog cost, out of curiosity? Um, with the training, the dog, and them taking care of it for the two years, it's about just over two thousand dollars. Wow! And there are and there are organizations that will subsidize that. You have to. You're expected to to, um, to pony up. So far, from what I've seen, yeah, there was one organization wow. I found, but they didn't do the kind of training that I needed. Right. Well, um, so you have a website? Yeah, I made a website. Well, I went through a site called GoFundMe.com. Oh, that's good. GoFundMe, the idea is, give me money, I need some money, help me fund me. Yeah, which I hate doing usually. Because no, but I think that's a good, I don't know, this is a good cause. Don't and feel, don't feel a, too bad. Now, this is one of a number of sites for this kind of thing. I'm, I'm a big fan of Kickstarter. They're more project-oriented. I hadn't heard of GoFundMe, but as I look at it, it it looks like it's for exactly these kinds of things. Yeah, I tried Kickstarter, but they said not our type of thing. Right, right. So go. Did they send you to GoFundMe? Uh, no, I just I did some Google searching and I found it. This is I have not heard of this, but I think this is great. All the donations are done through PayPal, but I guess what I did was just I registered a uh, URL through Hover, which is I know one of your sponsors. Mm-hmm. We love them. Yeah, they work out really great. Made it real easy for me. So this way you go to your hover site, which is? Uh, ServiceDogForMe.com. I like it. And it takes you to the GoFundMe page. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I don't want to ask for donations, but I mean, if anybody can, I don't, you know, no donations too small. Anything helps. I've gotten- So uh, that's clever. So what you've done by saying ServiceDogForMe.com is you've made a URL that makes it easy for people to remember. But it takes you to the, go, you don't have to do anything in the back. You don't. You didn't have to do any web design. You just set up this GoFundMe site. 
And uh, there you go. That's nice. You already have a couple of donors, which is wonderful. Uh, and people can then uh, respond to you. You can respond to them. This is great. I think this is great, Andrew. Let me let me put a little donation in as well and encourage others to do so. I think this is a good idea. I mean, this is how you would do it. Yeah, I really appreciate that more than you. Sure. And sure. Um, and then and then uh, you know you, of course you tell family and friends. Um, and uh, I don't know how else you'd put the word out if you are a member of other communities. Yeah. You know, if you not on Facebook and Twitter, but it just it feels like I'm screaming into a big. I know. I know. I mean, when, you know, I'm on, you know, if you're on Twitter and you have 10 friends, well, who are you telling? Yeah, I mean, and I said, like, I've sent it to you, but I'm sure you just missed it because it's like screaming into a room. Yeah, I have a lot of friends, too. So what I would what I would suggest is, uh, you know, this is why uh, it's not a bad time now to make friends in the world. <laughs> For instance, participate in other online communities. Uh, and then uh, you can go to those online communities. I mean, if you're into comic books, participate in comic book communities online. Those people already know you. You say, hey, I need to raise a couple of grand for a, a service dog. Um, could you help me out? Go to uh, servicedogforme.com. And I think you're much more likely. These people know you. They're your friends. So uh, if, if, you have, if you have some communities that you are already a part of, that's the place to go right there. And you've done exactly the the right back-end stuff. You created a website that is your unique website, easy to remember, servicedogforme.com. You've pointed it to a site that does all the hard work for you, gofundme.com. They, they, this is actually a cool idea. They, they're designed around this. And they have a whole site that kind of, you know, lets people spread the words. Your friends tell other friends. That's what you need. You need to, you know, you need your friends to all band together. And this makes it easier. Andrew, I think you found a, a good technique. I like that. Good luck. We'll, I'll, put a little, I'll put a little money in the pot. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Laporte, the tech guy. A little Eric Clapton and Cream. Did you ever work with Cream, Bob? I never worked with Eric. You know Eric? I don't know him, but uh, they used our PA for several years. Bobby Pridden, who is the sound man for The Who, uh, in between one of the breaks between Who's Next and Quadrophenia, Bobby took the system out for a couple years on and off with Eric. Bob Heil is sitting across from me, and this guy, well, first of all, he's the original tech guy. How many years on KMOX? 25, starting in 1977. 77, so that's well before me. <laughs> and you, what was the name of the show? High Tech Heil. High Tech Heil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, that was with... Uh, Jim White. Jim White, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the man that goes bumping the night. That was his... Jim White bumping the night yeah. on KMOX. Is he still on KMOX? No, he passed away. Okay. He was there for 33 years. It's a long time. Yeah. So Bob has been answering tech questions for longer than than uh, I've been in radio. Almost, I got in radio in late '76. So almost, yeah, that's a long time. You're in it with much more technology than we were. <laughs> I remember the first show that CBS sent me to. I I got to do back uh, send back this report, and I had this little silver disc, and it had music on it. <laughs> 
it's going to be great. Someday, I remember when the program director at the music station I was working at said, look at these, this is the future of music, and they never scratch, and he threw it on the on the table, and of course it scratched. Yeah, of course yeah. it did. <laughs> so the reason Bob's in here, it just first of all, it, it, he's an old friend who I've only now just met. We've talked before many times, and for five years I've been using nothing but Heil mics on the air. Uh, my whole network runs on Heil mics, even the stand I use. And you said you use me as the poster boy for your Heil stands. Yeah. You, Why is that? Because you use it so well. I'm always I mean, moving always my moving stand it. around. Yeah. And, and it's holding right there and it doesn't fail you. It doesn't fail me. Yeah. It, uh, it, it, I, do, I have to squeak a little WD-40 on there. It's starting to squeak a little bit, but that's probably because I, I, I move it around so much during the show. People don't see that, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm always, I have to always, because I'm moving around and I need yeah. the mic to stay with me. So uh, you started in uh, as a uh, a rocket. Well, you started as a ye old music shop mm-hmm. in 1966, and then uh, selling Hammond organs. <laughs> You're an organist because I was an organist. Yeah. I was, yeah. started when I was 12 playing, but in, when I was 15, I started playing at the Fox Theater in St. Louis and learning to voice and tune pipe organs. That, wow! That you know that is an art, and I was so honored and blessed that Stan Can taught me. How to do those kind of things. You've got a picture here of you in the in the midst of the pipes. Yes, tuning wow. and voicing these things. Yeah. It's just amazing. And and that's how I learned to listen. It was very important to understand how to listen. Uh, hearing is just a physical process, but listening is mental. That's interesting. And, Knowing what you're hearing and, and it, processing it. All came about from that. And then I started uh, renting Hammond organs in 1967 to the groups that would come through St. Louis and I'd go to take a Hammond organ and a couple of Leslie speakers to people like Vanilla Fudge and oh. <laughs> <laughs> all of that. I and, remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw where they're coming back. They're going to do it. They're a back, baby. Yeah. But they use Sun Amps and uh, uh, the Leslie speakers and stuff. I rented them. But um, all of a sudden, I'm going, wait a minute. They got these little columns and nobody could understand what they were saying. The PA was awful. So... Uh, a few years later, I had a PA that really worked, Macintosh and JBL and Alltech A4s, big stuff. And uh, the Grateful Dead really kicked us out where they came to, they came to, um, kicked us out is the wrong word, started us, I guess. Kicked, they you, came, kicked you off. Yeah. They came to St. Louis without a PA because uh, Owsley had gotten um, picked up by the feds the night before and <laughs> confiscated him and the PA. But they came to St. Louis, didn't have cell phones, hardly had any kind of communication, and got into the Fox Theater, that very place that I grew up and playing the organ, and uh, had no PA. So they, the stagehand picked up the microphone and or the telephone and called me and said, "Do you have microphones and speakers?" And I said, "Yeah, well, talk to this guy." Handed the phone to Jerry Garcia, <laughs> and I told him what I had: Macintosh amps and JBL and all tech. He said, "Well, get it up here and." They took us right out of there that night, Leo. It was quite an experience for a little kid from Marissa. And um, my roadies took that thing out, and on a tour they went. And um, everybody started calling us. We hit the front page of Billboard. That Well, and the and the Grateful Dead became famous for their quality yeah, of their stage sound. Yeah. I think they still are considered the state of the art. Oh, they were. And they, yeah. they did such wonderful thing. Owsley came back, and there were so many other people involved when, in, the, in the Grateful Dead uh, experience, I always call it, and uh, I was really honored to be with them uh, that first year. 
And uh, then the Who started calling in Humble Pie and Frampton and all that. But all along through this, I met Joe Walsh with the James Gang in 1968. Later the Eagles, yep. And Joe is an avid ham radio operator. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Big time technology huh. guy. And we'd be He's a, a geek. <laughs> we'd be in the back of the bus with a little Atlas transmitter talking to somebody in South South Africa with a wire strung out to the back of the stage. And they'd come in and the stage man, they're, they're clapping. It, you're supposed to be on. And Joe would say, just hang on. I'm talking to this guy in South Africa. I'm on the radio. And when I get ready, then I'll be there. But they're not going home. And that's we'd funny. finish talking to the guy on the ham radio, and Joe would go in and oh, that's play. Funny. Yeah, it was great. So you got to have your priorities in life. Absolutely. And at that particular point, Funk 48 was not it. Funk 49 was not it. It was working the guy in South Africa. That's pretty funny. Bob, uh, Bob's still a ham. His uh, call is K9EID. I have a QSL card from him. <laughs> Very good. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't actually do a listening report here. I just he's handed it to me. Uh-huh. So you make mics now and uh, you make the best mics in the world. Do, and by the way, I should tell people if you go to uh, Bob's website, Heil Sound, H-E-I-L-S-O-U-N-D.com. The reason I mention this, a lot of people call and say, I want to do a podcast. I want to mm-hmm. I want better audio on my videos so forth. And I say, you know. Uh, you got to learn about mics. You have online there, if you click the the uh, entry for mic primer, you have a great description. It's called It All Starts With the Microphone. I have the pamphlet. You can download it uh, yourself. It's free. He's making it free. And it, everything you'd ever want to know about how microphones work. It's kind of interesting because we live in a digital world, but somebody's got to convert the sound, the analog sound coming out of our voice in, in, into... Now, a lot of people are making mics with a USB connection. Mm-hmm. They go right into the computer. I, I don't personally like that. I don't think the quality... I know the quality isn't as good. And the delay just drives me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't need that. We should never use condensers. Uh, Joe always told me that I was put on this earth to get rid of condensers. <laughs> and you know what? We pretty much have. Well, you're, amazing, you're speaking into it. I, I use a, a, a Bob Heil PR40 <laughs> large coil dynamic mic. If you have to have phantom power, that means it's a condenser. This yes. doesn't. And, and it, it sounds it, so good. It just doesn't work because it picks up way too much. If you had condensers in here, you couldn't operate the way you I do. I was saying that earlier in the show is that uh, I'm in a room with 14 computers. There's people wandering around. There's a window open. I don't have to sit in an old stuffy old. Right. radio studio i can do the show right. right here in the labs and be very comfortable it sounds like uh, the sound this couldn't yeah. have better sound the, the best thing about it is is the rejection and i learned that from building antennas i'm going to do something that's kind of cool i'm talking into the front of the pr40 if i turn it around backwards it talks into the back of it you can't hear him <laughs> bob heil uh, hang on because we got to take a break heilsound.com leo laporte the tech guy more of your calls to come in fact if you want to ask about sound this is the guy We'll, we'll stay right here for a minute.
Little ZZ Top for Bob Heil, who was a sound guy for ZZ Top in the early days. This portion of the Tech Guy Show brought to you by DSL Extreme for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy, Bob Heil in studio with us, talking about microphones. But before we uh, get back to Bob, I do want to say hi to Andreas. He's on the line from Denmark. So uh, you, we'll, we'll move you up in line. I don't want to keep you on hold too long. Hi, Andreas. Hi, Leo. It's a great for, to talk to you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for calling. Thank you. I've been a fan. First of all, for all, I'd like to thank you. I've been a fan for the last five years of you. Well, I appreciate that. Where in Denmark are you? I'm in a city called Gentofte. It's close to Copenhagen. Okay. I've been to Copenhagen, loved it, Tivoli Gardens and all, and uh, I took my son to Legoland in, uh, in uh, Denmark as well, the original Legoland. That was fun. <laughs> I can so imagine. I'm a, yeah, I'm a fan. So what can I do for you? You see, I the thing is, I have a WordPress blog slash podcast that I'm doing because I've gotten so inspired by you. That's fantastic. What's the what's the uh, URL? It's www.technicast.dk. It's spelled T-E-K-N-I-C-A-S-T dot D-K. T-E-K-N-I-C-A-S-T dot D-K, which, of course, is Denmark. And you do that on WordPress. Yeah, I do it on WordPress with WordPress plugin. Oh, that's a great plugin. I've recommended that in the past for... Uh, Folks who want to create podcasts and integrate them into the WordPress uh, blog, you just—it's a plugin and it just makes it so simple. <laughs> and, the, and there you are with your <laughs> your your headband headphones, the sleep phones. Actually, I love those sleep phones; those are great. Yeah, that's cool. Now it's in Danish, so I gotta say, uh, unless your Danish is as good as Andreas's English, <laughs> this might not be the podcast for you. So, what can I what can I do for you, Andreas? Yeah, my question is, I'm in the progress of moving to another server, the same host, but to another server. And I was looking for a way to move all that to the WordPress blog in an easy way. And I tried and I tried. There's no easy plugin and there's no, you know, it's not like I can only move the files. I need something. Right. Really what you want to do, when you're backing up a WordPress blog, and this is true of a lot of uh, dynamic website content management system type things, there's two things you need. You need to back up the WordPress directory, particularly the content directory, because that's where your your theme is, your you know your design is, any images that you use, that kind of thing. They're in the wp-content folder. So make sure you get that. If you've got plugins, you want to make sure you get all those plugins too. But the the data, all the comments, all the posts, all the links are stored in the MySQL database. So you have to do two backups, one of the directory tree that's, you know, on the website, and the other is of the MySQL database. You you know, your web hosting company probably has ways to do this that are easier, something like PHP MyAdmin or that kind of thing. Um, you can also, if you have a command line access to your site, you can just do a MySQL dump. Okay. But well, I would say if you have access to PHP MyAdmin, the easiest thing is there's a there is a export and then you can just use it to re-import it. But you do you do want to get not just not just the database, but the WP content uh, folder as well. Sure. Do you know of any plugins or easy you know one click backup, or do I have to do it manually? Yeah, 
There is a, there is a couple of the, there's a WordPress backup plugin and there's also a database WP DB manager plugin that'll back up the database. So you can do it from right within WordPress. It's going to be importing it that you're going to have to uh, do you know by hand because you won't have WordPress running yet. Sure. I guess actually if you if you install WordPress you get it going and then install that plugin you could do the import from that. Okay. Sounds awesome. Andreas, it's so great to hear from you, and good luck with the uh, site. I think that's a great idea. Technicast, if you speak Danish, Bob, are you, you have something you want to say to the... To, no? no, I was talking to Alex. <laughs> oh, he's making signs. Yeah, sure. If you speak Danish, T-E-K-N-I-C-A-S-T dot D-K. I do not speak Danish. I have a tough time with English, actually. <laughs> Thank you, Andreas. We're going to take a break. I have more with Bob uh, Heil in just a second, our amazing microphone guy. But before we go any further, I got to talk about backup. And I got to tell you, it's so important you do backup. Do it right with Carbonite. What do I mean by right? Well, a couple of things. First of all, Carbonite's automatic. If you have to remember to back up, you're not going to back up. Once you install Carbonite, whenever you're online, it's backing up. Doesn't slow you down or your internet connection, but it's always trickling your data up to the internet. It's encrypted, so it's completely secure. You can even further encrypt it so no one can see it but you. And then... And here's the beauty of it. Restore has to be easy. Carbonite, you log on to your Carbonite account on any computer. Even before there's a disaster, you can do this. Or with their free uh, smartphone apps, iPhone, BlackBerry, Android. And there's your data. So it's cloud storage plus backup. And then, of course, it's the most important thing. It's, not, it's off-site. It's not sitting next to your computer. So if a disaster happens, you know, fire, flood, that kind of thing, you haven't lost everything. You've got a backup on the Carbonite servers, safe and secure. Try this free for two weeks. I know you're going to like it. Carbonite.com. Very affordable. $55 a year is unlimited backup for all the data on your internal drive. 55 bucks a year, Mac or PC. And if you use my name, Leo, when you decide to buy, you'll get 14 months for the price of 12. Two free months. You've got to back it up to get it back. Please don't be that guy who calls me and says, Leo, I lost everything. Use Carbonite. Carbonite.com. Offer code Leo. Bob Heil is in the studio with me. He's kind of my hero. Uh, the guy started uh, technology radio in 1977. What were you talking about in 1977? Just all kinds of things like the Norelco tape recorder. (laughs) (laughs) With actual tape. Yeah. The uh, little. We didn't have digital. Cassettes. And then it went to CDs. And um, gosh, then we heard about this thing about some kind of a satellite thing. And I was a pioneer in that. In fact, I was one of the. Test team of DirecTV. Oh, the Hughes. Uh, uh, yes. Wow. Well, no, it's not that Hughes. It was actually Hubbard. Hughes, it was Hubbard. The Hubbard family right. in uh, Minneapolis. Pre Hughes. They bought the first license. Wow. And I, as a ham, in, in the 1980s, started putting in a C band satellite. And in 1989, Ohio Sound was the, actually, it was Yield Music, was the number one. Dealer of the year. We got the award at the show of satellite dealer of the year. That's cool. Because we put in thousands of them. But Leo, who but a ham could find that thing 22,000 miles in the sky. And so a lot of hams were early satellite dealers and they, the companies would hire me to go out and teach them how to do things. And of course, I would hook them up to audio, which nobody was doing yet. Right. And so we really developed some of the first home theater systems wow. in the early 80s. And it was really quite a, a a neat thing, and 
did all that. All we, I really, you know, we owe so much to hams uh, in in the modern world, and I don't, I don't know if uh, people are aware of, for instance, when they're using uh, the data networks on their on their cell phones on their smartphones. That was started by hams, General Packet Absolutely. Radio Service, GPRS. Oh, oh it goes back. I, the ham radio community, the telephone, the Bell Labs, uh, a lot of those guys were hams. But then it would like the VCR would have never happened. Really? Television broadcasting would have never happened as fast as it did or if it would have the way that it did because uh, a great portion of the engineers today are hams. And that's why Sarah and I, on the Wednesday night of NAB, host a party. We don't show our products there because everybody that's in the broadcast industry, they know about our stuff. Thousands of radio stations are using them. And and I rather spend time with them in this wonderful arena of ballroom B at the Hilton with uh, just seeing so many. Of our- well, if if you let us, we'd like to broadcast uh, oh, from that party. Can, it, can we do that? Yeah, it'd be great. All right, Wednesday night, we're going to be there. Wednesday night from six to eight. I'm bringing my cameras. Look out! <laughs> and, and we have we give away a lot of prizes because people that aren't even in the business want to do things. Bob Heil, H E I L S O U N D dot com. It's been great talking to you. I wish I had some more time. We do have to take a break. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888 Ask Leo. As always, this time of the day, it's time to check in with my buddy, the, the gadget guy of all time. <laughs> Call him the Gizwiz. For decades, he's been collecting this junk. And he foists it upon us every week at this time. Dick D. Bartolo, gizwiz.biz. Leo, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm super fine. I have something for you to use down in the turning basin there in Petaluma. You know, I still want to get a boat. I want a tugboat. Okay. Well, you know, oh, no, 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 no. This is this is the, this is the way to get you into boating. Oh, pretty cheap. Little boat. Okay. A little boat. Little, oh, way little. Way really little. little. Little okay, something I can afford. Easy boat. Easy yes. boat. Oh, you can. Easy boat. Easyyboat.com. So it's a clamshell boat that folds in half. I don't know. So if you live in a little house. I don't have a trailer. Have a How am I going to tow this boat? Leo, the trailer is built into the bottom of the boat. No. Yes. So it's a it's a 14-foot boat when it's unfolded. Yeah. It, it's a clamshell design, and what's great is that you put wow, all your gear in. Wow, this is actually in. a decent-sized boat once you unfold yeah. it. Yeah, and you put all your gear in the boat. Then when you fold the uh, back over the front, you have a clamshell trailer. You pull a level, the wheels come down, and now you can tow it. And it's fairly light, so you can tow it with a very small car. Can I tow it with my tricycle? You-, <laughs> you could. I could? Probably. Yeah, it's a power boat, though. The thing has a no. motor and everything. 
Well, no, wait a minute. Now you power it in the way you want. The boat is oh. twelve to thirteen thousand dollars on its own. Motor not included. Now you can add up to a twenty-five horsepower engine. Now I did a little research. This this boat is uh being sold. It's just starting here. But uh, over in the UK, uh, a boating magazine ran it with a 20 horsepower motor, uh, about 24 miles an hour. So it's pretty good. Uh, you, I, oh, uh, yes. I'm a little <laughs> nervous about it, actually. I mean, and this is a thing that I towed on my tricycle and I'm going to go 24 miles an hour in it. Well, then tow it behind your Mustang and you'll feel more secure. <laughs> you, you, can, you can get a sail kit for it if you want to oh, sail it. I could it. sail it. It could be a sailboat. You can give up going to the gym. Just get oars and <laughs> I row, can it row it the place. I think at the you at, at fourteen thousand dollars, oars will be all I can afford for this. <laughs> Easy. No, you'll get volunteers. A volunteer. I'll have people volunteer to row me. Yeah, exactly. This is kind of cool. So the wheels are built into the boat. Exactly. And when you get in the boat, so you launch the boat, you push the boat into the water. When you float it away, there's a handle. You pull the handle in the boat. That was, someone's doing it there. It's kind of like video. landing gear. Yeah. And then the, the wheels go up into the side of the hull. The, <laughs> each section is it like a complete boat in itself. So that is this you know, a I one said, man operation or do I, am I going to need help? No, no. I think it's a one man operation. Wow. Well, one stout man. I'm stout. <laughs> yeah, and, and some on, and a few onlookers. We and should some mention interns. Dick writes. Yeah, there. I just need some interns for my boat. Dick um, writes for Boating Magazine. So not only do you cover gadgets, you, you do a lot of boating gadgets because you write. For, in fact, you you just sold your houseboat, but your but your office was on a boat. Oh yeah, fifty foot houseboat. Yeah, I've never a car. Twenty six boats. So uh, I'm. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, you've owned twenty six different boats. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yes. And I not used to one race car. Off, I used to never a car. Never I used to race car. offshore boats. I had an engine so big that you could visibly watch the gas gauge plummet. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind it of was a short an 18 ride. Foot boat with a 550 horsepower engine Holy in cow. it. So yeah. Dick is at gizwiz.biz. That's where you can go to uh, find out more about the easy boat and all the gadgets that he talks about. You see him on ABC World News now and. Uh, on many radio shows, because he's not true to me. He's not loyal like some people. He uh, also has, but you know, you got a link on here. That's, a, that's all I can ask. He also has the what the heck. heck. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that was a picture guy. of me. You that's there, you'll see the boats there already. All, see, that's how good Dick is. He's already got the boat on the Gizwiz visit. It's on his website. Gizwiz.biz. There there's the boat. There, there yeah, you go. Yeah. And I won't mention this other Computer America stuff and the, and the other shows that you do. No. Hey, by the way, uh, go to, uh, while you're at Gizwiz.biz, the What the Heck is a Contest, chance to win a Mad Magazine autographed by the man himself, Mad Magazine's maddest writer, Dick D. Bartolo. And Dick, we uh, hang on, because we're going to do the Gizwiz, our, our podcast, right after the radio show. The weekly daily Gizwiz. It's a little confusing. It's weekly, but it's, but it's daily or something. <laughs> anyway, Dick, Dick, I'll see you then. Bye. I'll well, be here. All right. Don't go away. Also, uh, I want to say goodbye because we're wrapping up the show. I'm sorry to say to my friend Bob Heil. Bob is a, a sound guy, ham. What, give people uh, the information so that if they want to uh, they want to say hello to you on the, uh, on the airwaves. Yeah, I'm on 75 do? meters a lot at night. And uh, 
That's the AM band. Well, we are on AM and single side band, 3875, 3880, 3885. Those are all How frequencies. big a tower do you have? Well, those are all long wires, 120-foot long wires. Wow. But I have a 70-foot tower for 20 meters, but I don't operate a whole lot of that. I, I love this, the 75-meter. We, uh, we get to cover pretty much of the country. And on Wednesday night is the West Coast AMI net. And sometimes when Joe is not touring, he absolutely is checking in and sometimes hosts that net. Wow. The great it's, Eagles guitarist, yeah, Joe Walsh. Yeah, 8 o'clock at night, WB6ACU is Joe's call. He's WB6ACU. You are K9EID. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I look for all of them to join us on our Facebook page. We're having a little contest right now. You can win a microphone, go there and really? friend us. Mm-hmm. So uh, would it be best to start at Heil Sound, the website, HeilSound.com, and then click the Facebook link? Is that, that the easiest mm-hmm. way to do that? Or go right to it. Mm-hmm. Michelle. Is it, what is the Facebook? Is it Heil Sound? Mm-hmm. Michelle I already, I already liked it. Up. I've already liked it, you know. Yes. Yes. Well, Facebook.com slash Heil Sound, H-E-I-L-S-O-U. They can Twitter us and the whole bit. Are you, do you Twitter? No. Do you tweet? No. <laughs> no. You know why? Why? It's probably like you. You get on there and you get hundreds and hundreds and I feel sad when I can't answer everybody. I got to say though, you do answer your email. I answer it, my yeah. emails. I sure do. Yeah. I mean, poor Sarah, she puts up with me on this computer with me all the time because I, I really hate it when somebody sends me an email I, and I don't answer it, but I do. I try as hard as I can. Want to real quickly mention our friends at Carbonite as well. Moy Carbonite is awesome, and uh, I've, you've heard me talk about it. I just mentioned it earlier. If you are not yet a subscriber, I want you to go to Carbonite.com. Take advantage of their two-week free trial. Offer code is LEO for that. Why do I like Carbonite? It's automatic backup off-site. That's so important because when it's off-site, you know, I, I've mentioned this before. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola, the great director, uh was living in Argentina, I think last year, the year before. And they stole his computer, but they also stole the backups sitting next to his computer. Oh, he'd been good. He'd been backing up. But they stole the backups. And uh, I remember reading this in the paper, and he was so devastated. He said, that's 20 years of work, of scripts, lost forever. Don't put yourself in that position. you got to go to Carbonite.com. Sign up today. It'll back it up off-site. You can get that data anytime, anywhere. Just log on to your Carbonite account, Mac or PC, and it's only... 15 cents a day for unlimited backup. All the personal files on your internal drive. That's good. Carbonite.com. Offer code Leo. If you decide to buy, they'll extend that 12-month subscription to 14 months if you use my name, Leo. Carbonite.com. Back it up to get it back. Do it right with Carbonite. You do backup, I hope, Bob. You have a tech guy does that for you, right? Oh, yes. My tech guy is my tech girl behind me. Sarah? Sarah introduced me to computers, believe it or not. But, you know, this is interesting because you're, you're really an old school geek. Yeah. I mean, going back to the soldering iron. <laughs> Still carry it, by the way. Pete Townsend always said, you know, he has a soldering iron, he makes it sound better, and oh, he can drive the truck. Wait a minute. You have a soldering iron with you right now? <laughs> I think I've got one in my case. I should have. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah. You never know. Bob comes into my studio, says, wait a minute, and he comes out and he whips out the soldering iron and fixes something. That's right. That's I love what, that. What Joe always said. He said, you know, we'd play till things broke, and then this guy'd come up the next day, and he'd fix things, and we'd play till we broke them again. <laughs> we're, we're out of time, but I did, there is one little anecdote he used to tell about uh, the Who, Pete Townsend, because they were famous for destroying their instruments Absolutely. on stage and their amps and their speakers. Yep. He did destroy the guitars. He went through hundreds of guitars a, a tour, right? Yeah, well, he'd go through 24 a tour that I would build for him because he wanted them <laughs> SGs and Les Pauls with certain tuners and stuff, and he'd tear those up. But I finally got him to see that we could make 
like dummy speakers and you could just those two on the left <laughs> just eat, destroy those and uh, then the amps were i built them in a rack and, <laughs> but he finally grew up and he doesn't do that anymore but it was good it was good shtick when he did it oh it was wonderful it was stick. bob Heil, so nice to have you in studio he has uh, provided the sound for this show through his bob Heil uh, pr40 mics for the last six years seven years now and uh Heilsound.com if you want to know more i I just Thank love you, Bob. Leo. He's not paying me. I just want to give him a plug. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Have a great Geek Week. Steve Martin tomorrow.